Hey there, boys, girls, and flying squirrels. My name is Joe Keyport, and you're listening to the Ear Copy Podcast. This week, I spoke with Alexander Natalie of the Alexander Natalie Band. But before we get into the interview, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ear Copy podcast on iTunes. Your feedback allows us to make the podcast better, and it helps us stand out against the sea of music podcasts on different platforms. Also, if you like what we're doing, I'm going to ask you to share our podcast on social media or tell your friends about us so we can continue to reach more people. The Alexander Natalie Band is releasing their debut record titled How Much Could You Ask of Me This Week on Friday, December 15th. It is a deeply personal record as it deals with feelings of isolation, depression, and the fact that everyone you know is going to die at some point. Before this conversation, I caught the band playing a set at the Underground Music Cafe in St. Paul, Minnesota. Right away, Alexander struck me by his country folk style. It reminded me of the Minnesota legend Charlie Parr with how his head hung low as he listened to the hum of his nylon string acoustic and painted pictures with his lyrics. The band itself hasn't been around for very long, and it shows everything right with the music coming out of the Twin Cities. Here's Alexander Natalie of the Alexander Natalie Band on the Ear Coffee Podcast. So I'm here today with Alexander Natalie of the Alexander Natalie Band. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Do you go by Alexander or do you Alex or? I, Alexander is fine. You just per, you prefer yeah, that? Gotcha. That's, that's fine by me. Okay. Gotcha. So earlier today you played a set at the Underground Music Cafe uh, for a Camp Kesem yes. fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Kind of how did you get involved with that and are you kind of connected with that organization anyway? Other than... Very tangentially. Okay. Really what it was is I used to go to Hamlin University. Oh, okay. Um, and a couple of the people that play with me in the band, mm. they still go there and then um, the fundraiser was put on by like a group of Hamlin mm. students who are more affiliated with the organization, and they just kind of asked uh, like a selection of bands to play to just kind of nice. get people out for a fundraiser. So I can't claim to be no. per- involved more yeah. than playing a set today yeah. with the charity, but it's like it's a super good cause. Yeah. Um, and I was really I was happy to get to be there and mm-hmm. help get people out or whatever. So when did you graduate from Hamlin? I didn't. I just stopped going. Okay, gotcha. When did you stop going about then, or when were you at Hamlin? I I went to Hamlin for, I did three years, and then I, so I, I haven't been there since last spring. Gotcha. So, yeah. I've, I've been out for like six or seven months. Mm, what were you studying? I was at, in the most, in the closest way you can at Hamlin, I was trying to study film. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, my my younger sister who was with me at the show earlier today, she she goes to Hamlin. So, oh, cool. So I've she used to work for the radio station and yeah, I, yeah. I was so I was like a digital media arts major there, gotcha. but focusing on film and video. And you played with the full band during the show. Um, and if, for people who haven't been to the been to the Underground Music Cafe, it's a tiny stage. It's a tiny venue. Yeah. Um, do you usually play with the full band in most situations? Or I I like to have. As I like to get as much sound behind mm-hmm. me as I can. Yeah, uh, I remember when when I introduced myself to you. You just kind of you mentioned that they're going to be as loud as you're going to be the loudest thing there. Which... Well, I think there were there were some miscommunications about the show today. Gotcha. Because I think we were the only people that were actually told it was okay to play full band. Oh, okay. For whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. So then I think even like. But it ended up being fine, aside yeah, from the I dog was... that barked. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys were playing with all the feedback, that was that was interesting, but it was good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you guys play, even though you're a louder band, you generally play kind of a more acoustic genre of music. Do you find that your band gets kind of pigeonholed into playing certain venues around the cities? Or um, Well, really, like, I mean, I've I've only really been doing, like, stuff under this name. Okay. 
for since like last January. So I guess really about like a year almost. Um, and in that time, like honestly, we haven't played like an insane amount of mm. shows just okay. like at all in general. Yeah. Um, because, largely because we've mostly been focusing on like recording and sort recording, of like background okay. things like that in that mm. nature. Um, but I mean, I haven't had okay. too much trouble getting I, pigeonholed into yeah. certain venues or spaces. Cause really. I, I asked cause we've talked to a couple of bands who have done kind of either quieter styles of music or like some more specialized like jazz fusion or something like that. And they're, you know, stuck to maybe one or two venues here in the twin cities, which is so far so good for, nice. for me and us so far. Yeah. Um, I find it really interesting that you primarily play a nylon string guitar. Why did you pick that instrument as like your primary instrument? Well, I, I, I will, for a really long time, I was like completely against like acoustic guitars and acoustic oh, okay. music. So I've really, I've kind of done like a 180 on that. But when I was growing up, I mm. remember, um, my uncle is also a musician and he's more of like a, he'll kind of like hoard gear and like yeah. collect things around. And so my dad, my dad's also a musician. He would have guitars around, but only like one or two. Mm -hmm. And then whenever my uncle would come to visit, he would bring like seven guitars. And then we, there would, my dad would mostly yeah. freak out about it, but I was too young. But I remember I would occasionally play around with them and I just always really liked nylon strings for whatever reason. Yeah. And then um, there was the one that, the, I only have the one, yeah. but that was just at an antique store um, in the small town I grew up in, in Red Wing, mm. Minnesota. Um, and then I bought it and then I've put like money into it to like yeah. keep it going or whatever. Yeah. But I, I just like, I just decided that I liked mm. that. I don't know. Cause yeah. Cause it's interesting. Cause obviously a nylon stringer and a, it's a classical guitar. That's usually like a finger picked, like, like obviously it's classical music on a guitar is a little finger picked and arpeggiated and stuff like that. But you both finger pick and strum and all of that stuff. It Yeah. I oh. just, I, for whatever, it just, yeah. I, I like having the wider neck. I mm. just, for whatever reason, it's just always felt mm. right yeah. to me. And then, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not good at doing what I'm supposed to do <laughs> with it. Yeah. Um, so when did you start playing music? Let's kind of get a little bit of history on your musical career. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I really only started playing like seriously with like bands when I was like 14 or 15. Okay. Um, but I mean, I started, I took like piano lessons when I was like yeah. seven and like little stuff like that. Yeah. But like, it wasn't anything more than just like kind of my parents or whoever being like, you should learn how to do this until I was like 14 or 15. I started playing in bands and then it really became like the thing. Yeah. Uh, what kind of bands were they kind of starting? Were they, cause you mentioned you just didn't get it. You got kind of recently got into acoustic guitars and acoustic music yeah, when i was in when i was in high school i was in like two bands primarily mm. um one of which was the first one that i joined which actually um one of the people who plays guitar for me now was in that and he he was the front man in that and it was like a very much like four four just like rock and roll yeah. band okay <laughs> um and i played bass guitar when i was in that and that was like really my first like it's kind of like foyer into like actually playing music mm -hmm. with a group of people um, and I did that for a while, but then I kind of started to get tired of just doing like quote rock and roll. Yeah. And then I started like a band that was a lot less punk than I thought it was. Mm. Um, and then I fronted that and I like sang and played guitar and did like all the songwriting for that. Um, and then I was in those two bands in high school. And then when I came to college, I didn't really have a ton of stuff formally going on. Like, um, me and a, and a close friend of mine who now also plays in the band mm -hmm. and helps with production on like recordings and stuff like that. Like him and I did a lot of songwriting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
until I started, you know, putting stuff out under this name, like there hasn't really been a culmination in the past. There was like a really long period of like probably like three, four years where I was very bummed out about not making music in any kind of like public way. Mm. So were you, uh, so did you, uh, at Hamlin, did you like do a lot of recording and kind of, is that where the Alexander Natalie kind of birthed from or? Yeah. Well really that's where I was like, cause I was living in dorm rooms and stuff. So I couldn't play super loud. Yeah. So that was like part of why I even like, started playing like acoustically more was yeah. just the subject or of uh, like subjective circumstance of where I was living in the environment mm-hmm. I was in. Um, and then I just ended up kind of doing that more. And then the songs I was writing were getting more interesting. And I mm-hmm. started playing in open tunings and doing things like that. And then after a while I had a bunch of these songs, but I would, I would try recording things in various different ways and I would do, things completely solo and I would do things with a couple other people. Yeah. And there were a lot of incarnations of the stuff that we have recorded now on um, the record that we finished up. Um, but it just, nothing worked until recently for whatever okay. reason until like last January when I actually started getting more people involved yeah. and getting more instrumentation fleshed out around it. Um, then the song started to make a lot more sense and then it could become what it is now. Okay. So, Tell me about the Alexander Natalie band itself. Um, who who are the members? Because you have quite the full band. Yeah. So like, it's not even necessarily like the Alexander Natalie band. So, it's more like it's just kind of like the Alexander Natalie. It's like it's both me, but it's also a collective yeah. sort of entity thing. Um, but yeah, so like I have um, have my close friend um, Wilson Zeller is a member of the band. And he's the one who we I talked about doing a lot of the songwriting with mm-hmm. when I in my early Hamlin days, um, and him and I work on all of the sort of like recording and production of uh, all the music, and then he'll play um, guitar and banjo live when we perform mm-hmm. out. Um, Sophie Warwick is also in the band; she plays violin and mandolin live. Um, uh, Samuel Ketchum, he. Uh, is also on the band Cell Paradise. He fronts that band mm. in the Twin Cities. Um, and he plays guitar and does backing vocals with me um, and was also my very close childhood friend who I was in the bands in high school with. Um, and then Daniel O'Keefe plays drums with us live. And then Michael McGough plays bass for me. Or with me, okay. for us, with us. So We're is all it collective? So it's it's not it's not like it's it's not like it's Alexander Natalie and like your backing band. It's like it's kind of its own. It's, it's both of those things. Okay. It's like it's a very it's 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 it, the lines between like solo project and band kind of get like blurry. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like I'm doing all of the sort of like songwriting okay. primarily, but then it's also then getting sort of like ran through the filter of like everyone else kind of giving it their own like spins yeah, and like kind okay. of helping with like composition and like bringing their own ideas to it and then bringing it to this broader collective thing. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, at the end of the day, it just kind of like some mm-hmm. days it's more what I want and some days it's more yeah. what we kind of collectively feel. Gotcha. So um, on your website, you describe Alexander Natalie as a project born out of suffering, a musical process, processing of pains of being alive. Can you kind of expound on that and explain that statement? I mean, it is that, and I, that's a thing that was 
written and then I was like, I'll go back and I'll change that because yeah. it sounds very like on the head about some stuff. But like, I mean, really for me, it's just all of my songwriting and lyrics and all of those things are just, I just talking about the stuff that I've dealt with, which mm. especially in the times that I was writing the songs that we're recording and putting out now has been just like mostly just like really hard stuff to deal with. Not that it's like mm -hmm. any more difficult than, I mean, I'm not trying to sit around and claim that I have like an especially difficult life um, by any means. But that being said, it's just like the past like three or four years of my life have definitely been not awesome <laughs> in terms of just like things being not so great within my family or my relationships or my sort of personal mm -hmm. health and any of sort of things like that. So it's like nothing, like I don't really have any songs that are happy. <laughs> it's just like not, it's nothing that's sort of like, it's just kind of about looking at the realities of like people being sick and people being dying and people not maybe being who you want them to be or who you think they should be or could be. And just kind of looking at that and just being like, well, that's how it is. I guess. I know you mentioned during the show earlier today, um, today being December 1st, uh, that you're on stage with your family and friends. Is that kind of... Yeah. I mean, I mean, I that was mostly a joke about yeah. how many people are in the band yeah, yeah, yeah. more so than anything. But it was also, I mean, like, that's how I feel about the people who are playing music with me. Like, they're my best friends. Mm -hmm. But like, they're, I mean, you reach a point where it yeah. feels like very yeah. familial. And especially when you're writing such song like such like personal songs and stuff like that it's like i definitely especially in the early stages of like bringing them to people it's like i they're so personal that like i have to have people who are basically like family around when i'm yeah. first showing them to people otherwise like it would never be able to be in front of you or anybody else mm -hmm. well kind of the so the new record uh which is titled how much could you ask of me and it's going to be out in a few weeks friday on friday december 15th kind of Tell me about that record and kind of the background behind it. Because how long? Because you said you've been working on the what became these songs for the last three or four years. Yeah, kinda. yeah. Really, it's like it's like the song. There are songs on the album from like periods of like it's like winter, like late fall twenty fifteen, really up until now. Like I think the last song I wrote for the record was like written like last spring, so spring mm. twenty. 18 i guess yeah. still um so it's like over that whole period stuff was being written and sort of like workshopped everything really got fleshed out um starting like in january of 2018 and then throughout that period and then we recorded everything um from like may to august of 2018 and then since then it's all been post-production up until really today um being december 1st um and yeah, it's it's all just like stuff about, it's just a record about family and breakups and being scared about people and being scared about like yourself and not mm. feeling like you're maybe who you want to be at times, but having to deal with that and wishing that other people were maybe being themselves in a way that you wished you were too. Which brings me to the date, the lead single from this from this record, which is Psalms. Uh, and it, there's lyrics in there that is just kind of the, this longing for something or kind of this idea of you're not who you want to be. Can it kind of tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is, I mean, a lot of the record has to do with, and that song also touches on it lyrically, um, 
has to do with kind of like examining like my brother and I and our relationship mm. and kind of how both similar we are and also different and kind of looking at him and seeing a version of myself that is like seeing sort of like the good things in me and him and then also the bad things mm. of me and him and kind of like yeah. he's, he's a younger brother and so like and feeling like the influence over him and all of those sorts of things but also like recognizing that like both him and I are people who have just kind of for we've just kind of been like in pain for a long time okay <laughs> in the overall and kind of like and particularly over the past year without getting into too much detail like it was like a very painful time for both of us kind of due to each other you guys <laughs> in do, sorts of ways do you guys not get along as much not so much it's more that like both of us kind of like the like our heads kind of went below water a little bit and we just weren't really functioning maybe at the highest level gotcha. that we could be no, yeah and it's kind of one of those things where like you want to reach out and help a person and they want to reach out and help you but when you're both kind of drowning you can't really do that yeah um and so there's a lot of things of just kind of there's a lot of songs on the record that are just about like really wishing i could just do more for mm. both of us okay like and when you take songs like this kind of to the band uh are you, do you how does that go kind of first time showing these kind of songs because obviously they're very personal and you can sense this over these songs of how personal and how much of a picture they paint like again like psalms and then a song we're gonna i was gonna ask you about in a little bit uh two birds um those are both very vivid in like this idea of maybe depression something similar to that as someone who also i also struggle with kind of that stuff I, that not feeling enough and this kind of emptiness how do you how does that work with the band how is are they good at like maybe ripping them apart a little bit to like obviously you want them to be the best they possibly can be without but also keeping the, like a, obviously a yeah. a care to it cuz you no, don't want to just sure. yeah it's it's nobody i i nobody's really tried to touch the lyrics in any okay. way i i don't that yeah i that's that's always been i, I it's it's not that it's like off the table but it's no, the, it's, yeah. it, it hasn't been really none of that has been touched by anyone other than me mm -hmm. um I think largely because it's just, it is so personal, but, um, usually what it, I mean, when I've in the past, when I bring stuff to people, it's like, I'll just kind of play through what I have, which mm -hmm. is just me playing guitar and sort of singing what I have, be it finished lyrics or kind of scratch lyrics or mm -hmm. whatever, whatever state it's in. Um, and then just kind of in a, you know, a very sort of standard way, just kind of like me expressing whatever ideas I've maybe had for further instrumentation and then just kind of sort of just jamming on, on yeah. top of that and sort of giving people a chance to really experiment with it and see what ideas people who aren't me have to bring to the table yeah. because it's it, it's never good to have it just be so one voice that it can't you know get beyond maybe that one voice yeah 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 uh another song i want to talk about is the eight minute the eight minute epic uh, one at a time. Kind of, how did that come together? Were the, was it one of those things where you started writing it and you just couldn't end it until it became bigger, or was? Yeah, I don't even. I'm trying to think back to the process of like writing that about like how long it took. Really, um, I know that that's that's one of the ones where like I kind of had 
a lot of there's like a lot of different parts in that song, and I think that like some of them were it was almost even like two songs that I yeah. kind of like okay. shoved together. Um, but that's one that like that's a rare instance where I actually kind of tried to consciously structure it in any kind of way. Okay. Instead of just kind of like stream of consciousness letting it kind of flow out until I'm like, that's good enough. Mm. Um, but that's one that I definitely wanted to use like repetition and the kind of like cutting back and forth of like the more like sort of like trotting parts and the mm-hmm. more f- sort of like easy flowing parts to kind of the whole, it, it's just to kind of, I, I was trying to kind of create a sense of like being really like in a rut and not being able to get out of like a moment and like a feeling of just like, like it is that like that whole song is about just me being just scared about my family and about my brother and about my relationships um, and just like not knowing that it's going to be okay. But mm-hmm. knowing that, I mean, at the end, it's just, it's just that we're all going to die. <laughs> just, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all you, that's all you have at the end of it is no matter how much you want to try to help people, it's like, it could be today or tomorrow or when you're 90, but they're gonna, mm-hmm. and you can't really do anything about it, no matter how much you want to. So is it one of those, like, you're kind of more or less coming to terms with that fact, or is it like a... Trying to. Trying to. Trying yeah. To. I think I, I have more today than when mm-hmm. I was writing it. Yeah. You know, in the moment, it was definitely not... I mean, I, I didn't... For a long time, it was that was a song where I was just like, ah, it's very sad for me to play um but now you know things have changed in my life around it and things are in a better space now but that's yeah it's just trying to be okay with it Mm. do you typically find it difficult to play these songs like a song like that live or i know you haven't said you haven't played too many shows under this yeah i did more at the beginning when we like first started playing them and then like playing them for like my family is weird um just because a lot of the record is about things that have happened within my family. And so it's kind of like, it. it's like they recognize that it's like a part of me like processing things and coming to terms with it and like being okay. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of like, it feels weird to kind of be like, hey, you should like really remember all these bad things and how much they've like affected me. Okay. Like, do they have they come to your shows or have you like performed yeah, they've, them? They've come, okay. they've, come to, they've, they've come to shows and like they've listened to like the recordings and stuff like that and like it's it's definitely a thing where they're like oh it's like really good and we're like proud of you but also like it's hard yeah <laughs> which is like understandable and i couldn't ask them to be in any other position yeah than whatever position they're in about it you haven't you haven't gotten like the angry because like i was reading an old uh, interview with with billy corgan and in the early days of Smashing Pumpkins, he, he had said a lot of things about his relationship with his mother, and he's definitely, after certain interviews or whatever, he'd get a very angry phone call from her, like, what did you just say? Like, have you felt, have you had moments where they kind of, like, maybe push back against ideas, or have they been, other than, like, this is hard to, like, hear, but also, like, we understand? No, they're, they're really good about really being, like, you know, we can only listen to this so much, but, like, mm-hmm. they're really understanding about like I kind of like have to yeah, express no. it to be okay, and they're really supportive and understanding about that. Um, so they're really. I haven't received any angry any Billy <laughs> Corgan style mother yeah. phone calls. Gotcha. None of those yet. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for for me, from the six songs I listened to, the the final song I had was Two Birds." Um, is that the final song of the record? That is. Yeah. That's okay. how it. That's how it wraps up. Okay, so the last line of that chorus is, I, I'm a useless shell of a man, and I'm propped up by old commands, which, again, definitely 
paints this very vivid picture. Um, kind of what's the, is that another story of feeling like not knowing where you're going or what you're doing or kind of what's more of the story behind that? Kind of that, that particular line is more about, um, kind of feeling lost within like relationships and sort of like, not even just like specifically like relationships, but more just feeling like I'm maybe not doing or not on the path that I really should be. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because I'm choosing anything. It's more that I'm just kind of too tired to maybe fight back. And so I'll just kind of do whatever, whoever the loudest voice in the room is telling me I mm-hmm. should do, um, which is something that I'll, I fall into sometimes. Kind of that, that going through the motions to keep moving forward, kind of that idea. Yeah, of, and just not wanting to disappoint people or yeah. step on anybody's toes mm-hmm. or do anything to make anybody uncomfortable, even if it's for like two minutes. Yeah. Where did um, this record get like produced? Was that all kind of like self-produced in like space or did you guys sit down at a studio or kind of? Uh, um, so we all recorded it in um, a closet, really. Oh. Um, at... Um, at Wilson's house. Um, yeah, over the summer we all would cram in there every, like, you know, we'd do mm. a couple of sessions a week with people and whoever could fit in. Um, it's not the most efficient way no, to make but, a record, but it's, I think it's better than going into a studio for a long time. Not that that's not a studio, but yeah, so we, and then we've, it's all self-recorded, all self-produced, all, all self-made. Mm. That's, that's really cool. I, there's a, there's like a freedom of like a, of not in a professional quote unquote professional like feeling space there's something i don't know it's almost familiar or yeah comfortable definitely and like for me i just i'm i'm not good at being in like quote unquote formal environments necessarily like in the sort of like rigidity of like what an actual studio is in the sense of like when you're paying someone hundreds of dollars for an hour to sit there and like the pressure of that yeah. and the sort of things like that. And also I find it a lot more rewarding to have my hands in as many of the parts as I can, mm. even if it maybe comes out not as, you know, whatever someone qualifies as like a good recording as what I do, which for me, I prefer things that are recorded in a more DIY sense yeah. anyways. But like for me, it's more rewarding if I've, if it's been from like a space I know even if it's not sonically as maybe pristine or crisp mm. as what someone else might have wanted. And I mean, it sounds really good from the the six tracks I listen to. It's just, it's kind of almost like a mix of maybe not field recordings or kind of like that. Cause was, for a while I was really into those like Alan Lomax field, like folk for recordings. Sure. It, it, it almost feels like a mix of like that, that kind of grit, but, in a higher production sense is that for sure that's it's funny it's funny you bring up field recordings because like uh when we were f- talking before we actually like started recording like mm-hmm. i i think in my head i thought it would be a lot cooler to have like more kind of like field recordings throughout the album and kind of like i had a lot of ideas about putting in a lot more sort of like room tones and like mm-hmm. ambient sort of noises and like whatever and there aren't a ton of them on the record there definitely are still there's definitely places where they exist and they get to come in, but yeah, no, that sort of the feeling of sort of just like bringing a space in mm-hmm. to it. I wanted, I, in, in every iteration of when I had recorded these songs, it's like, I was kind of, I was hoping that it would feel like you were more like in a place or in a space as opposed to maybe just like 
in the space you were actually physically sitting in and then yeah. listening to music, but more like, I don't know, I guess yeah, transportive, no. but that's being hopeful. Well, like you mentioned that you wanted some like more ambient pieces. There's an interlude uh, in the record, which is almost it's like a, it's like an instrumental piece on top of like a conversation kind of tell me about that. Cause I remember it, it, it ends with like the phrase moving is hard. Yeah. Kinda. Uh, yeah. Um, so that like, I, I, I am, I'm always really, I've always been sort of like really into like, it's like, I was growing up and listening to music. Like that was always my favorite part on records was when you would hear like little snippets of people yeah. like talking, like little sort of like glimpse behind the curtain, like extra stuff like that. Um, and you know, like anyone else who makes music now, I like, I, you know, I'll just record little things on my iPhone, yeah. a little voice by and stuff like that. So really all what that, uh, what the interlude is, is just, I was a, a lucky day where I was just like recording a little like guitar idea I had. And I happened to be on my parents' porch when my mom and my dad and my grandfather were talking. Um, and then they just had this really nice, well, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it, they had a conversation, yeah. um, about, you know, the sort of the stresses of moving in the kind of day to day. Um, and I just, from the moment I had that recording, I was like, oh, this is like a perfect thing to put on something. And I knew really early on, I wanted it to be the exact centerpiece of the record and the kind of like a pivotal, just like mm. a, something to zero in on. Um, and then we went in after the fact and added in extra sort of instrumentation yeah. just to give it a little more texture and feeling and make it mesh in with the rest of the record a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so the so you said you just kind of finished up the production aspects of it so you can start sending it out to uh, get it like physical stuff made and that kind of stuff. Do you have plans for like physical releases and Yeah, for sure. We're gonna do some do some classic C D and tape action um, pretty early on and then um, down the road once um, I have a little bit more money in my pocketbook then We'll hopefully get it onto vinyl then, and then of course on digital mm. too. Is this um, all like self-released, like yeah, yeah, self-funded? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all it's all DIY stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm it's it's been yeah it's been years that we've been working on mm. it, and I've been working on it, and I'm it's just gonna feel really good to get it out. <laughs> yeah, because like the stress of a project is kind of always looming behind you is always an odd like motivator but also just it wears on you to it you're just like kind of want it done but yeah it, it's sometimes it's comforting for me yeah. I, f- I get very stressed out if i don't have something mm. i'm working on but like that being said like sometimes it's better if that thing you're working on is like just a song as mm. a and like you're just writing it as opposed to being like i have like a whole album that we need to spend like very monotonous not fun days finishing mm. um so definitely, there's definitely, there's been a lot of fun parts making the record, but it definitely, it hits a point where you, you just, you just kind of want it out. <laughs> yeah. Was there a moment, like specifically, like a really fun moment recording this that just kind of sticks out in your head? Um, I mean, I, I just kind of, the, the days where like things were like easy going and you could kind mm-hmm. of like, just like joke around within like takes, like there were definitely a few of those days when we were recording um, we've, we were recording in a house where there wasn't AC. So a lot of the time Ooh. there were a lot of, <laughs> there were a lot of like breaks that had to get taken, which were like sometimes really fun, but other times were like, 
everyone's just like sweaty and like yeah. kind of pissed off um, from being kind of cramped into this like really tight thing. But I think it's if it hadn't been recorded in a space like that, then like I don't think it's it, 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 I wouldn't be able to look back on it in the same fondness okay. if it was recorded in like a really sort of like sterilized environment. I think that stuff that stuff adds to no, me. No, yeah. Did you did you handle a lot of the mixing and mastering yourself, or was that? Uh, that I mean, a lot. Most of the mixing and mastering um, has really been Wilson, mm. um, and then I I just sort of like was there to really like oversee things um, and just make sure that like uh, what I had in my head for these songs was happening, which mm. he did an amazing job making happen in ways that I couldn't have done if I was the only one doing it. Yeah. Uh, as we move into the end of 2018, do you have anything like any shows coming up or anything like that? Uh, maybe an album release show or something? Yeah, we're doing an album release show on December 15th. Okay. Um, the day it's going to be out, like at least for sure digitally on your phones and all that jazz. Um, we're just doing it at a house. So on the internet, if you look for it, we can make sure you mm. get the address without blasting it out too much. Um, but no, just like, um, our friends in the band Keep for Cheap, who we know really well, are going to play. Um, a friend of ours, Greg Tizza, who's a really, really, really fantastic um, rapper. He's going to do some stuff. Uh, going to do projections. We're going to just have a party. We're going to just have fun having made something yeah. and being proud of it with our friends. Um, but no, so it really that, I mean, that's the biggest thing we have, wrapping it up and just setting up promo stuff. And then... Um, Really, it's just been trying to get everything booked out for 2019, really. Have you guys been um, working on show or booking shows or maybe a tour or something? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been, I'm in the talks with some people for getting some, just like a couple little runs, like mm. little week-long things um, in like late February that I'm trying to finalize right now. Um, and then just some local stuff around in mm. early February. So stuff, will, stuff should start getting announced more so um, towards the end of mid to late December, you should start to see a lot more. The calendar is going to fill up a lot more for us, but it's kind of nice to have not a ton of shows around when the album's coming out. Yeah. Because that's been kind of so painstaking. It's kind of nice to get a chance to kind of breathe some air and not mm. have a lot of things looming over you and get to kind of clear your space for like songwriting and like going to shoot some videos and stuff like that. And just mm. a little bit more of the like non-musical promotional yeah. parts of being a musician yeah and then any final thoughts on the record or kind of this process and maybe shout out your social media where people can find you yeah we're on all the stuff that all the kids are on uh instagram seems to be what the kids like these days it's crazy how much instagram is like the place to go it's the spot to go now apparently because like the blog really didn't blow up until we like were on instagram yeah i yeah i mean i i was I was pretentiously and stupidly anti-Instagram for a long time, but now I've had to be on it to <laughs> yeah. promote this. Um, but it's cool. I yeah. mean, uh, we're on there at Alexander Natalie Band. Um, that connects to everything else. Yeah. Um, people don't look at people's websites, but we have one. Yeah. Um, it's alexandernatalie.com. Um, yeah, just, if you listen to the record, that's great. Um, we spent a lot of time on it, and... I'm really proud of it. I think everybody's really proud of it. There's nothing but heart and tears in it. So, Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it so much. 
Again, their record is titled How Much Could You Ask of Me? And it's out this week. You'll be able to find it anywhere you get your music. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a part of the Ear Coffee blog. Our goal is to provide you with all of the best local music news. Check us out at earcoffee.blogspot.com to read full articles. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash earcoffee on Twitter at EarCopy and on Instagram at EarCopy. Make sure to rate and review and share us with your friends. I have been Joe Keyport, and this has been the EarCopy Podcast.